everybody. Welcome to Gateway Nez. We are very glad you're joining us today, whether it be at church or at home. Now, let's go worship the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to worship. We pray this week has been one filled with the presence of God in everything in your life, no matter how challenging it may be. He is with you. And so today, this morning, is we to call upon Him and say, Lord, open our eyes.
today we are in the passage of Acts, Acts 6, 1 to 7. During this time, as the disciples were increasing in numbers by leaps and bounds, hard feelings developed among the Greek-speaking believers, Hellenists, towards the Hebrew-speaking believers, because their widows were being discriminated against in the daily food lines. So the twelve called a meeting of the disciples. They said, it wouldn't be right for us to abandon our responsibilities for preaching and teaching the word of God to help with the care of the poor. So friends, choose seven men from among you, whom everyone trusts, men full of the Holy Spirit and good sense, and will assign them this task. Meanwhile, we'll stick to our assigned tasks of prayer and speaking God's word. The congregation thought this was a great idea. They went ahead and chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, a convert from Antioch. Then they presented them to the apostles. Praying, the apostles laid on hands and commissioned them for their task. The word of God prospered. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased dramatically. Well, greetings, everyone. So excited to join you once again as we continue in our conversation in our series 242, which comes out of Acts chapter 2, verse 42 where it says that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, that they were committed to doing life together, breaking bread with one another, and that they were a people of prayer. As we continue in our conversation here today, I want to jump back to just a few verses there, verses 40 through 42 in chapter 5, where the apostles, where Peter and some of the other apostles, were, they were imprisoned, and I want to just share that as we in our conversation here today in Acts chapter 6, but it says this, after the religious leaders gave them a thorough whipping, they warned them, they told them not to speak in Jesus' name, and then they just sent them off. The apostles went out of the high council, now mind you, they, it says they went out of the high council, overjoyed, overjoyed, this is after they had been beaten and rebuked and and, and scolded. They, they left the high council overjoyed because they had been given the honor of being dishonored on account of the name of Christ. On the account of sharing the redemptive story. On the account of gathering together and congregating together and lifting up the holy name of Jesus where many, many were giving their hearts and their lives and their souls and being reconciled to God. Every day, every day, the apostles, they, they were meeting in the temple. Every day, they continued to, to meet in one another's homes. Every day, they continued to, to preach of Christ, not letting up, not giving up, not stopping for a moment. In the early days, that the followers of Jesus, this, this new faith community, this, this koinonia fellowship of believers, they began to, to face many problems 
regarding about how things should be run. Because understandably so, that there were so many that were being added to their number daily, that now every day when people come in and being a part of the, the fellowship, there were things that just had to be addressed. In previous chapters, 2 and 4, we saw where everyone shared their resources. They sought to live in community, to, to be a people that, that gathered together as families, as brothers and sisters in Christ. They were at the very center, at the very center of this inbreaking kingdom. The, the, the very thing that they wanted to do was to, to remove Israel and to let all the people through all the ends of the earth know about what Christ did for them on the cross. They were serious about this. Jesus commanded, he commissioned them to do so. There was an obvious infilling of the Holy Spirit taking place in this gathering. They carefully replaced Judas with Matthias to, to keep the team going, if you will. Great things were, were happening. Many things were being set in motion. But what happens when your family suddenly doubles or, or triples in size and you weren't expecting it to be? The early church was growing at such a, a rapid rate. Acts chapter 1, 120 met in the upper room. In Acts chapter 2, we, we saw that there was this infilling of the Holy Spirit and, and Peter preached this most passionate, his first sermon, this, this passionate sermon that, that, that many people, many people, and you can see in verse 41 of Acts chapter 2 that about 3,000 people were added to the number that afternoon alone. They were committed to the apostles' teaching. Acts chapter 3 at 3 o'clock in, in the afternoon. As people were making their way to the temple for prayer, we see where Peter and John, where they, they met and they healed the crippled man at the gate beautiful. And then we saw in our conversation just a few weeks ago that this man, that he, he ran to the temple and he was dancing and that he was testifying and he was proclaiming of the goodness of God. In Acts chapter 3, verse 11, all of the people ran up to Solomon's porch to, to see what was going on. And Peter addressed the congregation, and he preached the salvation message. And in verse 19 of Acts chapter 3, he said this, It's time to change your ways, to, to turn your face, turn your face towards God so that he can wipe away your tears, that he can wipe away your sins. And then in Acts chapter 4, we see where this faith community continues to grow. And in verse 31, while they were praying, it says that the place where they were meeting trembled and shook. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak God's word with fearless confidence. The whole congregation was of one heart and of one mind. In Acts chapter 5, verse 42, every day they were in the temple. Every day they were meeting in people's homes. They were teaching and preaching, and they weren't letting up for a single minute. With all of this newfound growth, the church had to find a way to figure out how it could, could cope with the expansion of its fellowship. It needed organization. The needs that were being expressed, the, the, the size of the gatherings, and, and as the demands grew, it, it really was beginning to expose a, a sense of crisis. Then the text tells us in 
you were to, to look at verse 1 of our text, the Greek-speaking disciples, they accused the Aramaic-speaking disciples because their widows were being overlooked in the daily food service. See, caring and hospitality was, was just a given. The, the fifth and tenth commandment instructs the, the honoring of, of one's parents, their mother and their father, but even more so that when the parents, when they become elderly, can no longer make contributions financially, can no longer be a, an economic contributor, the family, they need to be able to take care of them. Up to this point, this new faith community was, was made up of, of Jewish Christians. But the Jewish Christians, if you remember, were from differing regions. And we talked about how that was such a beautiful mosaic that there was in, in the midst of, of diversity in these ethnic groups, there was so much unity. But the Jewish Christians, if you remember, were from differing regions and had only different languages, but not only different languages, but also different cultural practices. Most of the disciples came from the surrounding areas of Jerusalem and Galilee. Their practices would have been similar to, to temple leadership and that of the apostles. But with the fellowship growing, it becomes more and more evident that there were also Greek-speaking Jewish Christians. Greek Jews that, that were coming in, many were coming into the city, into the city of Jerusalem, so that they might eventually be laid to rest there. It is very possible that there were a great deal of widows that, that were assembling into the city, and their needs were becoming more and more apparent to the Greek-speaking Jews, and, and they wanted to express that need to the Aramaic-speaking Jews. And he writes, says, and I quote, in a complex society such as that in Jerusalem, which was both deeply traditional culture, very conscious of its historic and religious significance, and a cosmopolitan mixture of Jews from all over the world. It is not surprising that people would be eyeing one another to see if this or that group appeared to be taking advantage. He adds, whenever even a small number of people try to live together, let alone to share resources, sometimes even tiny Distractions of, of background and culture can loom very large and have very serious consequences. So with that, the church had to organize itself in order to, to, to be effective to its current and future ministry. The apostles were, were sure of two things. That their primary responsibility was to teach the word, to, to proclaim the word. And second, they, they were sure that, that they, if they took on the responsibility of trying to feed all of the widows and, and meet all of the, the, the caretaking needs, it would take away from their primary calling. So thus, they, they began to realize that, that as the church was growing, there needed to be more and more people that were participating in the ministry. And I know that that's a, that's a difficult thing at hand as we look at this text, but what a beautiful thing it is as well. Because we're all called, we've all been gifts, we've given gifts, we've all been given talents in which to make contribution to the church, to the world in which we live, to the kingdom of God, to give glory to God. Friends, every member of the fellowship has an important role to fulfill in the church. Do you remember our Mark series? 
See, Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. This was an outward sign that, that he had been called by God. He, Jesus, said he called the twelve. Now, the twelve in, in Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, are calling others into the ministry, into the koinonia, the fellowship of the saints. Look at verses 5 and 6 there of our text, Acts chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. The congregation, though it was a, this, had this great idea, they, they went ahead and chose. They went ahead and chose Stephen, a man full of faith and, and Holy Spirit, Philip. Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, Nicholas. They, they presented them to the apostles, praying the apostles lay hands on them and commissioned them for their tasks, for the needs of the church. With all of this immediate growth, there, there needed to be a means of, of delegation to the community. The primary work of the apostles is to train and prepare people to fulfill tasks with the gifts that God has given them. So a new era of responsibility took shape in this inbreaking community. Deacons were commissioned to, to carry out the work of care. Now the term deacon throughout Christian history has meant several different things, but, but in this context, however, it simply means to to be that of a servant, to, to be that of a helper. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13 says this, He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. His purpose was to equip God's people for the work of serving and building up the body of Christ until we all reach that unity of faith and knowledge of God's Son. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 says this, In this way we are like the various parts of the human body. Each part gets its meaning from the, the body as a whole, not the other way around. The, the body that we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning. Each of us finds our function as a part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned and marvelously made and formed as functioning parts of Christ's body, let us just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or envious or pride comparing ourselves with each other or trying to, to be something that we're not. If you preach, just preach God's message and nothing else. If you help, just help and don't take over. If you teach, Stick to your teaching. If, if you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't become bossy. If, if you're put in charge, don't manipulate the situation. If you're called to, to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. And if you work with the discouraged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. Each person in the body of Christ is significant. Each person in the body of Christ is significant. And each has a role to fulfill in God's kingdom purposes. God's gifts and God's strengths will vary. But it is necessary to complete the edification of the church. Church, God's goal is for us to become mature adults. To be fully grown and measured by the standard of the fullness 
of Christ. And we must always, we must always remind ourselves and each other that, that no matter how much we do, it is still God's work. That no matter how much we do, that it is still God's work. That no matter how much we do, it is still God's work. Because if we get so ingrained into doing what, what is God's work, but we begin to shape it and mold it to become our work, if we shape it and mold it so that we begin to seek the praise of men, then we are not wholly sold out to kingdom purpose. We are not solely sold out to what God would have us to be and do. It's all about kingdom purpose. It's all about God's work. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is now. God is growing the church. He will use our ministries like he did in the early church, no doubt. But like the early church, we're called to be one. We're called to be committed to the word. We are called to be a people that we are in the word. If we are not in the word, we're only fooling ourselves. When we are in the word and we're sold out to what the word says, then things like jealousy and pride and, and self-centeredness and self-promotion, those things begin to evaporate away. And the focus is to run the race that has been set before us. The focus is to do what God has called us to do, and that is to be heralds of the gospel. See, in the world in which you live right now, there's a lot of people that are seeking a void that only God can fill in their hearts. If we are people of the word, then we will know and understand that. If we are people of the word, we will grow and we will be committed to that. If we are a people of the word, God will use that. God's word never returns void, church. Never returns void. With a sincere intent of our hearts, the very depth, the very essence of our hearts is to serve God and to serve others. To love God and to love others, it will not return void. We must always remind ourselves and each other that the kingdom purposes that have been set before us are important. That the kingdom purposes that have been laid out before us that we've been given resource to do are also important. We should not look at somebody else with envy or jealousy that, oh, that they have the, this gift or that they have this talent. Take what God has given you, the profession that you are a part of, the passion that you have, and go and serve and love. You will be making a difference, a huge difference. You may not know all of that now, but there will come a time when we are with the Lord for all eternity. And he will make known to you the things that you have done. He will make known to you the effectiveness of your ministry. He will introduce to you people where you have impacted their lives. Where they are there with him and with you for all eternity because of the commitment that you held true to. And the word that you held true and steadfastly. We need to be a people that are committed to the word. We need to be a people that are committed to doing life together. You've heard me say this before, and I'll continue to say it again. But when there's koinonia, when there's fellowship, when there's ecclesia in the church, 
We understand what it means to do life together. We cannot do life alone. We need to spur one another on. We need to be a word of encouragement. We need to be a people that are faithful to one another. We need to care for the widows. In other words, we need to be aware of and care for those that, that are in our fellowship and in the world that surrounds us. We also need to be a people of prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. Our Father, who art in heaven, how be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, thy will be done, as it is in heaven, as it is here on earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Whether you're here with us today or whether you're watching online, just shout that out to say amen to God. Be the glory. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. Don't be anxious about anything, but rather bring up all of your requests to God in prayers and petitions, along with giving thanks. Then the peace of God that, that exceeds all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds safe in Christ Jesus. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6 says this, Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet place. Find a secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play with God. Just be there as simply and as honestly as you can, you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God. And you will begin to sense His grace. You begin to, to sense His presence. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and, and programs and advice and peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father that you are dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. We need to be a people of prayer. Luke chapter 5, verse 16. As often as possible, Jesus withdrew out of the way, and he went to places, secluded places for prayer. We look at this text, and we see where the church has been called to, to rise up, to stand up. We're looking to see now where there's growing pains. That's the, the, the title of our message. But we're seeing great things happen in the midst of some trying times and some midst of some crisis, if you will. But as the church works through it, if its heart is sold out, God will ordain it and God will bless it. All of these are trying times, no doubt. But if we continue to give it to God, if we continue to, to be a people that is devoted to His Word, that is devoted to one another, committed to doing life together, breaking bread together, being a people of prayer, church, how can He not bless that? How can He not ordain that? How can we not see the movement of God in our midst? We're going to see as we move into now the next number of chapters, we're going to see where great difficulty will come. We're going to see where people are people of prayer and how that will make all of the difference. 
We're going to see where great challenge comes. We're going to see where tremendous persecution comes. We're going to even see where some, if not many, are martyred for the sake of the gospel. But may this be a foundation in our conversation. That we need to be a people that are in the Word of God. That we are a people that are committed to one another and that we are a people of prayer. And when the persecution comes, when the opposition comes, may we rejoice knowing that we are doing kingdom work and that the enemy is acknowledging that. May we be a people that rejoices that when we see more that are added to the church, that we know that there's a movement of God and it's exciting to be a part of it. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Shalom. Good morning, Gateway family and friends. We are so blessed to see another Lord's Day and to be able to worship together online. During these days of a growing coronavirus epidemic, we are being reminded week after week that the church is not the building, but the family of God, scattered here and there in worship, in song, in prayer, in the Word. Uh, thank you for joining with us on this beautiful Sunday morning. Before we go to the Lord in prayer, I want to say thank you, Pastor, for again unpacking the Word and drawing our attention to the growing pains of the early church and challenging us to see and address the needs around us out of a heart of compassion. As we mature in our journey of faith, we soon realize that each one of us in the body of Christ have certain strengths and have been gifted to fulfill a role in God's kingdom. We are called to be a part of God's work. How important it is for us to serve rather than to be served. The book of Acts teaches us so much for times like these. Let's join together in prayer. I invite you to offer up your praise and petition as we pray this morning. Our Heavenly Father, in this difficult season, we lift up our Pastor Joe to you and pray for his strength, wisdom, encouragement, and protection in these stressful times. May the anointing of the Holy Spirit rest upon his leadership when even in the church we don't always agree on how to do church and various non-essentials, but bind us together as the body of Christ in one cord that cannot be broken. In our world today, there is so much uncertainty unrest and division. It is to you that we look because we know who holds our hand and our future. All of our hope is in you. You are our solid rock and salvation in the time of need. As the hymn writer put it, I need thee every hour in joy or pain. Come quickly and abide, or life is vain. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour 
I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to thee. This morning, we worship and magnify your holy name. You know all about the struggles and anxieties some are going through this very day. It is in your ever-abiding presence that we bow and live day by day, not in fear, but in faith. Help us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Keep us and our families safe as we come and go. And as we look back over our lives, we often feel so undeserving of your grace and mercy. You've been so good to us. You've never failed us in the past and will never fail us today or all of our tomorrows. Help us this morning, Lord, not to become complacent in these changing times. May we walk in loving obedience to your word and resist the temptation to complain about what we don't have or can't do. Help us to live praise-filled lives. Help us, Lord. We lift up those this morning who are suffering from this deadly virus. Protect our doctors, nurses, and caregivers as they put their lives on the line for the families. Comfort all who have lost loved ones and bring to salvation all who are lost and filled with despair. In these evil times, I pray that our religious freedoms and the foundation of our faith grounded in your holy word will forever be preserved. Have mercy upon America, O oh God, and forgive us of our sins. Give us leaders who will dare to honor God and his word and not be influenced by politics or the culture of the day. Send revival in these troubled times, I pray. In closing, I pray the words of that great hymn of old. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah. Pilgrim through this barren land. I am weak, but thou art mighty. Hold me with thy powerful hand. Bread of heaven, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Feed me till I want no more. We love you, Lord, and thank you for your mercy and unconditional love. May your peace fill our hearts today, no matter what may come. In your precious name we pray. And let the church say, Amen. Amen. See?